Thomas says he's owed more than $600,000 after the collapse of another construction company. Devoid of construction activity, the only people here now are security guards. I'm pretty pissed off, to be honest, yeah. Alexander says he lost big at three sites after they went into liquidation. Kia I'm Alexia Russell, and today on The Detail, the stress on the construction sector. They tend to be the canary in the coal mine. They're the first companies that go bump um, as the, uh, the economy slows down. It's just like a treadmill, you know, the tax falls a little bit behind, then you haven't paid the ACC, then you've got a, an accumulation with people with holiday pay, then you haven't paid for the cell phones, you haven't paid for the timber from Bunnings. It all just comes together, you know, it becomes, it's small at the start. And these were highly profitable businesses previously. The Herald's property editor, Anne Gibson, has been documenting company liquidations. She says there are between five and ten a day, and according to Waterstone Insolvency, nearly a third of those are building and construction firms. That's twice as many as the next highest category, food and hospitality. Waterstone expects that ratio to grow in the upcoming months. They're suffering the most because often... They're the ones on a knife edge, you know, they're the ones that were struggling anyway and often struggling pre-COVID. But the other person we're hearing from today is Julian Lays. Now, he's the chief executive of the Building Industry Federation. As he arrived for our interview, he had some news that gave him hope that this is a bump in the road rather than a downward plunge. It's softening because of the interest rate rises, the uncertainty, just the cost of construction and building that has gone up. It definitely has softened. But then equally too, just actually today with the EBOS construction survey update that came out for quarter one, we're starting to see a leavening off in prices of building materials. That demand that we had is leavening off. We've got a lot of infantry in terms of building supplies around the country. The demand's not there. The prices are starting to sort of settle back. We're seeing freight prices too globally because we import all of our product or most of it into New Zealand. That's uh, Some of those rates have come back significantly. And that's a big deal because the dramatic rise in the cost of building materials has been a huge factor in price blowouts, squeezing profit margins. A warning tonight for prospective home buyers to consider buying existing stock to avoid ballooning building costs. CoreLogic's construction price index found prices rose 6% in 2021. It's only adding more fuel to an already red-hot housing market. In the fourth quarter of last year, we saw building costs increase by 1.7%. That was a significant drop from quarter three, which was 3.4%. But it took the annual growth rate to 10.4%, which is the strongest and highest rate we've seen on record for this index, uh, which goes back 10 years. New Zealand, specifically Kainga Ora, is still steaming ahead with its house building programme. And there are some massive infrastructure projects underway. But Anne Gibson says the small businesses are copping it. It's a really bad time for the sector when you have a boom. Someone, one of the leading um, builders once said to me, this is the most dangerous time because the prices are changing so fast. There's a whole lot of pressure. We've still got so much of an overlap from COVID. You know, the, the, the effects of COVID are still being felt. There's high inflation in the economy, obviously, and building sector inflation will be running at probably, you know, double, almost double national inflation. We've got that labour shortage, just not enough people, and a very kind of a lumpy sector that tends to go boom-bust, you know, every few years. So, you know, we've had this intensive house-building 
episode where every builder you could possibly hold a hammer has been employed. It seems to me that it's been a sudden downturn. You've got a lot of liquidations on on the books. Yes. Well, we've still got a very high number of houses being built. So the latest stats New Zealand figures are still at nearly 50,000 new housing consents issued per annum. But what we've got to is all those factors that we've just talked about feeding through to a lot of the smaller companies and they are just finding they can't carry on. So they're calling in liquidators and they're under all sorts of pressure. And again, it's that tale of COVID where they couldn't work for such a long period of time. And actually what they're often struggling to do, which is terribly sad for the rest of us, is pay their tax. The IRD is doing something about this, isn't it? It's sort of targeting tradies. What is it doing? Yes, well, so inland revenue, when um, you know, when companies like this don't pay their tax, they get um, the insolvency and trustee service in, they make a high court application, they have liquidators appointed, and they wind the business up. Now, there they're after any assets that they can get hold of to pay the outstanding tax bill, and the tax will be... Um, GST that hasn't been paid on the sale of goods or property. You know, if you're a property development business, you've got to pay 15% on the sale of a house. Um, but also PAYE and also, unfortunately, um, a lot of employees that are getting caught up in this. What's happening is the um, they're not getting paid. They, have, they are owed holiday pay. And so at the time the liquidator is suddenly appointed and the employees didn't see that coming, they've got outstanding holidays, which they need to be paid paid for at the time that their employment is terminated. And, you know, the really sad thing is that um, a lot of them won't get that uh, money that they're owed for holiday pay. I thought the IRD was being quite, um, you know, there was a bit of elastic in the system and it was being quite lenient on deadlines. For no, tax. that's something quite different. What IRD announced recently is sort of a, like um Almost, they didn't call it this, but almost like a tax amnesty. They said, hey, look, if you're behind, get in touch with us. Let's work out a plan. Now, these building sector failures, they're very different. What's happened there is they haven't paid the tax that's accrued that's owed. And there are other outstanding bills usually as well. And so they're effectively trading insolvently, which is illegal. And so they're calling in the liquidators because they realise that even though they're running really hard to try and catch up, often a lot of them, they just can't carry on and they just have to declare at a certain point in time that the liabilities outweigh the assets. Julian Lays agrees that this treadmill of mounting and unpaid bills is the road to disaster. If people are cutting corners or hedging their bets thinking that, you know, there's going to be an uplift and they can pay tax down the track, it's very, very risky. Often they're taking on more work sometimes, which is terribly sad, trying to run faster to keep up to get more money in. But, um, you know, the the bills are mounting, Inland Revenue wants its money. With the environment that we're, that we're now in, I'm sure IRD is pulling in as much as they can because the country simply needs it. You know, with all the natural weather events we've had, we clearly are in, in, in a recession. Uh, the natural course is to get in as much of unpaid tax as you can. Now, if people have not been keeping up to date with simple things like PAYE and GST and all those other payments, they get caught out. You know, it's like the, the old saying, when the tide goes out... So I think that's possibly what we're starting to see. And says it's not just the tax department after them. So many other creditors, like, sadly, I often see 
um, you know, big businesses like um, financiers, banks, um, Bunnings, Fletchers. This has big repercussions further down the line because all the businesses that they've bought goods from are often owed money as well. So they're outstanding creditors. Now, the only good thing you can say is that some of those um, creditors have security over the business. They are more sophisticated when they do sell goods. And so there is some chance of them, they stand ahead of other unsecured creditors in the line to get paid. Who Who is at the bottom of the list of creditors? Who's oh, going to be suffering the most yeah. from these collapses? That's really sad when I see um, what liquidators identify as unidentified, their staff. So in the case of a big um, joinery company, KBL Joinery, which is a was it at Rosedale on the North Shore? There's a, a, a list of names right at the bottom, and I know that many of those people are unfortunately the 28 employees who suddenly found out when they came into work one day, or maybe at the end of the day, partway through the day, that's it, you know, we're out of here, this business is being shut down. Now, the only good thing I can say about KBL, that big joinery factory, the liquidation of that came as a big shock to the sector, but the only good thing is that in that case, another party, a big joinery competitor, I guess, on the North Shore, has decided to buy some of that business by taking over the lease of that factory and maybe pick up some of the employees and maybe pick up some of the equipment as well. So that's a, a better outcome come than just everything being insolvent and, you know, just being sold or lost. What happens to people in the industry, you know, we have very low unemployment at the moment, are they able to segue into other construction type jobs or is that whole industry, is the lid falling on it? No, there's still a huge amount of work on. Um, You know, the recovery from the Auckland floods, from Cyclone Gabriel, What might happen is people, like in the Canterbury earthquakes, might have to move. You know, obviously, you know, that Hawke's Bay, Tairawhiti area needs so much done there. And as those insurance claims come through, I would expect to see some relocation in the workforce. But there is still a tremendous amount of work on. And, you know, the second harbour crossing, you know, over the Wairamata and obviously City Rail Link and, you know, the Central Interceptor by Watercare. These are just huge jobs that are going on at the moment. So, Unemployment hasn't become a big factor. That's not to say that it won't be in the future. But currently in New Zealand, we have very high levels of employment. There's been a lot of talk about a coming recession or whether we are in technical recession. Do you find that once that R word is bandied about, that confidence is lost, that people sort of shelve their innovation or don't buy the new house? Uh, People have certainly changed their uh, their thinking. Um, you know, the cost of finance is so high at the moment that people who've got a lot of debt have certainly got more worries. Yeah, for sure. Recession is an aspect, but take the construction sector at the moment. What we're seeing, SATS New Zealand figures are showing a tremendous number of new apartments and townhouses being developed. So look around, you know, any city pretty much in this country and you'll see cranes on the mm. horizon. Is that still happening though? Because I thought the bottom had kind of fallen out of that market too? Um, No, there's still a lot of new consents going through for that area. So we're still running at, I think, around about 48,000, 49,000 
presidential consents at the moment. You're right, there is a slight downturn. Now, that's really interesting because for the last couple of years, we've been running at the level of consents that's so high that Stats New Zealand said it's never been recorded in this country before. So we're starting to see that turn a little bit, but it hasn't fallen off dramatically. And you'd ask yourself, well, why when the cost of borrowing is so high? Well, if you've got a consent and you're, you know, you've got the land, you're pretty sure are going to build on that because it takes a long time to get all this through the system. So by the time you're at the stage of considering building, even if there is a downturn, you might carry on with that project because there is still tremendously high demand for new housing in New Zealand. We still have a housing shortage. But this is not just about building private homes. Unsustainable. That's how construction leaders are describing the state of the commercial building industry. Different projects, same problems. The City Rail Link, New Dunedin Hospital, Transmission Gully. All seeing costs blow out and that reflects an unhealthy industry. A new survey's found problems repeating themselves. 100% of companies faced increased material and labour costs. Look, I think what we're seeing uh, a number of those businesses that have probably actually been pricing work to the point where they're not making enough margin. So there has been a tendency in the industry to go in and grab any bit of work, even if you have to um, sort of undercut your competition, but also your actual margin is, is so low that when the unexpected happens, and in this case I think it's been a combination of Uh, those low margins and then the banks in in combination too putting pressure on lines of credit Uh, and in particular we are also seeing some banks that are you know clamping down on progress payments so those those builders that find themselves in that in that position all of a sudden are hitting a wall whereas others are still actually in quite a strong cash flow position so so why are margins being squeezed are we talking about the extremely high inflation that's hit the building industry materials are going up well, it is that, but, but also I think we shouldn't forget that historically in the building and construction industry in, in, in this country, we've, we've had a tendency to try and compete for work by undercutting and going for and offering the, the cheapest price. If you're getting somewhere between 1% and 3% profit margin, it's not really enough. And I think, again, that tendency is, is still, still ongoing with competition, and then you you add on all those other factors around inflation, you know, the cost of materials, labour particularly, uh, and then now what the banks are doing, really tightening up on credit. They're doing that particularly, as I understand it, in terms of new builds. Um, I think there's been a shift from the new uh, build construction into more builders now who can, have got the skill set, because not all of them do, are focusing on um, the sort of renovation work and I think the uh, banks are preferring work done on existing houses versus new new builds. Why, why is that? Do we think that the building supply issue is levelling out? Well, yeah. Look, look, look. Partly it is. Partly it's just risk. You know, the, the, the you know the banks are inherently conservative, uh, and they see um, an existing asset being much more dependable than uh, something where you know anything could happen. Buyers might walk away or not come at all. So now we're talking about firms that are doing new builds becoming at even more increased risk of falling over. Some of them. So, you know, the uh, group home builders have seen a significant drop-off in demand through last year. The numbers aren't there anymore, and we're starting to see now, too, a drop in the numbers of building consents. They're going down from the peak, I think, 51 
thousand last year. We've seen a drop of, I think, three percent so far this this quarter. There's still like the forty nine thousand building consents issue, which is yes, but historically but, pretty good. Yeah, and I think, um, but I think someone, um, one of the economists, was talking about the actual number that'll get built because don't forget we've really only, I think at our peak, being able to build around 40,000 homes, even with that number of consents. So there is a bit of sort of froth on top of the beer. Uh, they're potentially talking about settling that that number might fall down to twenty nine to 30,000 homes that actually get built. Um, so, so are we talking about a, a, a pre-COVID rebalance? Yes, uh, although I think we're still pro- possibly, um, you know, six to nine months uh, from getting back to that kind of level is yet. It, is this the first time we've heard that material prices are coming down? As far as I'm aware, yes, in the, in the last couple of years. So so this is, again, a, a good indicator that, that you know, where this peak, everyone's been thinking, you know, when is inflation going to peak, when are building prices going to level out, that's probably starting to happen about now. And there will be those people that have overstretched themselves, that haven't put away enough cash flow for, for any day, or have taken on a, a couple of projects with very small margins. I think we're seeing that reflected in, the, um, in some of these liquidations. I mean, this is, I feel like this is a very swift bust part of the boom and bust cycle. It doesn't seem to be that long ago that everyone was going gangbusters and you couldn't get enough labour and prices were rising and rising and rising. Is the building and construction industry in particular subject to this boom and bust cycle? It is, and historically we've, we've seen that through a number of, uh, I guess, the last two sort of recessions you know, before this one. Um, yeah, there's been a tendency to um, have those peaks and, and then troughs rather than just, uh, you know, um, have a stabilised industry where we have, uh, you know, where we can maintain the employment of people, a certain number of houses and construction get, gets done rather than the, um, those, those peaks and troughs. I don't think, though, my feeling is we're not going to see quite the same... Um, boom and bust that we might have done, say, in the past with the, with the GFC. I think this this will be a, a shallower um, dip and softening. Than Why do you think that? Uh, just because I think the fundamentals of the economy are stronger this time round. I, I think we've still got very stable employment for the most part. And we also just have a lack of skilled labour coming into the country. So that that is one thing, keeping things in, in balance. And as I say, too, fundamentally, a lot of the businesses out there in building and and construction still actually have quite good cash flow. We've always been in this awful kind of boom-bust cycle, and there have been various governments who have tried to work out ways to smooth that out. For example, government procuring methods being done in a way where they don't come in at the height of the boom and strike the big contract for the new road or the new tunnel or whatever it is, that they let the sector, um, you know, that they give it more of a chance to work in a more orderly pattern. Of course, life doesn't really work like that. Mm. And, um, you know, when a big sort of Dunedin hospital job comes along, it might actually be at the height of the boom. And so why wouldn't Dunedin deserve a new hospital? Um, Why should that be delayed just because we're at the height of the building boom? So you kind of have to think about this very practically, I think, from the politician's point of view as well. And I really don't know what the answer is to smoothing out these boom busts. Let's just hope that what we're seeing now, and I do have to acknowledge, these are smaller firms. These are quite, these, these are not big firms. The biggest 
drop that we had, the biggest liquidation, was uh, last May, and that was Armstrong Downs in Wellington, which did do a lot of government and retail and education work. But the ones that I'm writing about are smaller businesses, and that is the nature of the sector as well. A lot of the smaller businesses fail quite regularly. As Anne mentioned earlier, there is another factor that could keep some of those small firms on the edge going for at least a while. The after effects of Auckland storms and, more widely, Cyclone Gabrielle. It will mean that, particularly when those houses have uh, properties have dried out because they need to allow the timber framing to dry out before they can replace insulation and, and plasterboard, there will be certainly a big demand in some of those building materials. Uh, and the need to have skilled labour to get that work done for those properties that um, have been designated not as part of managed retreat. I think there's still some decision-making going on there as to which houses are going to be rebuilt or not. Uh, But it pales into comparison. I mean, if we look at the rebuild after the Christchurch earthquake, I think that was in the order of uh, 30,000 homes. I think this one is going to be something in the order of maybe three to 4,000. It, it'll have some impact, but, but not, not to yeah. sort of turn, turn things around completely. The storm damage repair will certainly help the construction sector, but it's, not, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a one-off. And what we're really talking about, the, the, um, the real depth of this sector is a lot of it in new construction. And so that's the area that we'd like to continue. The, so we'd have to look at the pipeline, basically. Is the pipeline there or not there? Yes, we're seeing a huge pipeline of new work coming through and major new infrastructure projects um, still arising. We're seeing hotels now being planned. The convention centres being finished off. Well, they're about to get the roof on, so that will carry on for a while. The city rail link carrying on, the Otago Hospital. So some really large projects and a tremendous number of new houses being built in Wellington and Christchurch as well. We're not going to drop off a cliff. I think we will see a period of, say, the next six months where the impact of the higher interest rates, this ongoing cost of the cost of living, which is hitting everyone in the back pocket, is going to see that everyone just pull back on discretionary spend. And so, in turn, you know, People will decide rather than going out to the to the movies or going out to a, to a restaurant, they'll, they'll pull back on that kind of stuff, and that that in turn will then have a ripple effect through the wider economy. Um, but we are seeing the glimmers of hope globally with freight international freight prices really coming down. By some cases, seventy percent. Uh, we are seeing um, inflation in key markets like the US that's levelling off, and with this EBOS survey that's now showing. The um, price of materials coming down. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, again, um, that that is great news because I, I think I think we're starting to see the, and we will see here uh, possibly a little bit might take us a little bit longer than overseas, but inflation is going to start to level off here too. So we're not looking at a GFC situation. I don't think so. I think we'll be um, in a much better position come this time, twenty twenty four. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Anne Gibson and Julian Lays. Ka kite anō.